Okay, the Spotify version is now live. Hello, everyone. We have been gone in the Shadow Realm for uh, three months. Not, well, three months, like three nah, weeks. Yeah, three weeks. Say, like Oops. Three weeks to a month, something hey, like that. Hey, okay, I just got done uh, um, five exams in eight days, so um, if brain, I'm... The brain is a little fried. Yeah, so, like, if I'm not, if I'm okay. not speaking so hot, uh, my Words apologies. I'll get better. It's okay. Words are hard. Don't count on it. <laughs> I'm not I'm not going to get better. But uh, since we've been gone, um, I can breathe for the first time. No, never mind. Uh, since we've been gone, a lot of things uh, have been happening. Yeah. Have for, been happening. For better or for worse, for both of us. Um, he has been slammed with school and applying for grad school. I am psycho enough to take on a position of the manager at Duquesne Student Television. And managing 40-plus people because I am dumb. You're Uh, not dumb. I'm dumb mentally for trying this, but (laughs) it's worth it. We both both mentally hate ourselves for differing reasons. Dude, I don't mentally hate myself. I, like, just hate myself in general. You know what? This is what sports are about. We get over hating ourselves to hate other people. Dude, I cheer for the right team for that. (laughs) <laughs> I, hate, I hate my own team. I hate other teams. You know, we're, it, it's perfect, really. It's a perfect fit. Very, very perfect fit. True. But um, I think there is, like, one topic that, like, has to start the show off. Yeah. Because it was a huge story while we were gone. Like, we're very late to the party. But at least with this, we have a lot more information. And we can, like, tell the story, like, from the onset down to the conclusion. So, for those of you who aren't aware, the Blue Jackets announced in July that their next head coach would be Mike Babcock, yep. which, for those of you who are Red Wings fans or Leafs fans or Ducks fans, you were wincing just even at the thought of them hiring Mike Babcock with how his tenure in Detroit was and how his tenure in Toronto was. So. Yeah. To provide some background for those two, um, those two coaching tenures in Detroit, he had a history of verbally abusing players. Like apparently, the biggest name that spoke out about this was Johan Franzen. Um, there were numerous occasions where he would verbally abuse him in the locker room. He'd verbally abuse him on the bench. It got so bad to where in um, Chris Chelios's book and in interviews, he outlined like what Mike Babcock would say to him and even Chris Chelios was like it was one of the most disturbing things I've ever seen from a coach it made Johan Franzen not want to show up to the rink anymore it made him not want to play anymore it made him want to retire like to give you an idea like that's the very abridged version in um, his tenure in Detroit um in Toronto, when he first got there, like it was with like Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews, when they first got there, yeah. he sat Mitch Marner down, and basically what happened was he wanted Marner to rank his teammates' work ethic from the best to the worst, and Mitch really, really didn't want to do it. Like He wasn't comfortable. He stated he wasn't comfortable, but he mm-hmm. did it anyways because Mike had a ton of power over who got on the roster and who didn't, and as a rookie... You have to be weary about it, even though, even if you're a high draft pick, like you never know when you're going to crack the lineup. And it's also something worth noting. I thought, in terms of like that story, he said it first, like, "Oh, 
you know, this is just between us. Yes. And, and then even he then, posted it yeah, in the locker room for everybody to see. Yeah. I don't know if he said if it was like he put his name on it. He or put not. his name on it. Oh, he he said, he said, here is what our high draft pick rookie thinks of all of your work ethic. This is what That's he thinks of all dumb. of you. And apparently at the bottom, it was like Nazem Kadri and Tyler Bozak at the time. And they were, like, really nice and chilled out about it. But if he didn't have a good locker room, like, that could have alienated him from Everybody. all of his teammates already. And as a rookie, like, you need to have good relationships with the veterans. You need to have good relationships with, like, the coaching staff, with management. And that's not a good way to start it off. And even with that, like, the Leafs just l- let him continue on. They let him coast until finally team performance got, like, they finally gave him the boot out the door, which was long overdue in my opinion. I wasn't a fan of Babcock once. He stayed from 2016 to 20... 2016 to 2020. Okay, 20, that makes more sense. Yeah, he was there for four years. Save for the cap series, both the Bruins, and then he got fired midway through that season after. Yeah, so in 2019, he lost the Bruins series, and he was there 2019-2020 until their game against Vegas where Fleury robbed Nick Patan, (laughs) which that's a name. And then he was like, ew, don't like short guy. Nope. Um, But this um, this new situation... Bad. It's really bad. Um... So, it's about on par with the rest of them, if I had to assess yeah. it. Um, so if you know Mike Babcock's history, you're not going to be surprised by this. So long story short, before he goes into like the details of everything, he got a big deal. I forget how long. I want to say it was five years. I think it was five, five. years, $10 million. Yeah, Something like that. It was a five-year deal, I'm pretty sure, to go be the coach for the Blue Jackets. And then the first thing people, people noticed during that... <coughs> He's responsible for two of probably the worst defensive signings this offseason. If you want to go look, um, he gave an eight-year deal to Damon Severson. Oh, I got it. And it then, was. And then he traded for the one of the ugliest contracts in the league, and Ivan Provorov. Did the Flyers a favor? He literally helped the Flyers and did nothing in benefit. So all of that, and then just two months into his job, he resigned, and I'll let you explain what he did in particular. So, quick correction before we go on: his contract was uh, two was two years, four million dollars average. Who was making oh, eight million dollars? It was only two years because they they knew he had baggage. But I um, guess that's true. And like, keep in mind, like um, the Blue Jackets GM interviewed like. Many people through the process, but it was only people in Babcock's circle. It's people he coached on the international teams. It's people that he coached, like, for a really long time, like, even in college. So, of course, they're not going to say anything bad about him because they were never with him, like, when he was in the heat of battle in Detroit. Like, they weren't there to witness the Johan Franz and stuff. They weren't there to witness the Mitch Marner stuff. So, like, if you're asking Rick Nash, like, who is in the Blue Jackets front office, what he thinks about Mike Babcock, well, Rick Nash was never coached by Babcock until the Team Canada, um, I I believe it was the 2014 team in Sochi, but 
Yeah. That team won the gold medal, and an international tournament is way different from competing for a Stanley Cup in terms of intensity. Like, your coach doesn't have power on who gets in the lineup and who doesn't on international team because you only have, like, 24 skaters. So there's only so much power he could have over you. So, Whereas, like, in an organization, you have tons of guys, like, what? Oh, yeah. Minor leagues and stuff? Yeah, like you, you have guys in the minors. You can get buried in the minors. You can get waived. It's... You can, like, lose a ton of money if you even speak up about it. But, yeah, you, there is a surprising amount of, unfortunately, there's a surprising amount of, like, bully culture in sports. And this is something that a lot of organizations don't like to, a lot of, a lot of fans, I don't think, like to talk about until it's, until it either happens to their team or it comes out. A lot of fans don't like bring it up because, well, we like to think that a lot of us like to think the best until things start going wrong. I sort of <coughs> give the Blue Jackets fans a little benefit of the doubt because they saw a big name, Mike Babcock, who's won a Stanley Cup before, who wanted to come to Columbus. And that was like a big part of like the Blue Jackets history is that they can't attract big name anything. They can't attract big name players in free agency until very recently with Johnny Gaudreau and they haven't been able to attract like good head coaching. Like they just haven't been able to do it because of their location. It's like a similar thing to Winnipeg where like they do and don't want to come there for various reasons. So if you're Jarmo Kekalainen, you're like, oh Mike Babcock wants to come here. You get excited, but you need to do the due diligence. And he said that in his interview that, like, oh, we did the due diligence. But when it came out that they only interviewed people in Babcock's inner circle, everyone was like, pause, you really didn't do your due diligence. Like, you should have talked to yeah. um, Mike Commodore. You should have talked to um, Johan Franzen. You should have talked to anyone in the Leafs organization. They would have told you, this guy's bad news, steer clear from him. Because, like, he looks good on paper, he looks good in the interviews, but the way he treats the younger players and the bottom six players, like, it's inexcusable. Like, you can't excuse it. So, enough of dancing around what he did. So, what Mike Babcock did was it originally came out that Mike Babcock wanted to ask players to show him pictures of their family but with the caveat of mike babcock went through their camera rolls to see quote unquote pictures of their family and when word got out about this there was a lot of outrage in on hockey twitter and in the hockey world were like oh babcock's at it again because he has a history of pulling stuff like this it got to the point where they like they produced a joint statement between Mike Babcock and Boone Jenner, who Boone Jenner is a 30-year-old married man. So with him, and he's the captain, with him, like he has a like he has a solid spot on the team. Mm -hmm. He doesn't have any risk of being kicked off. So it might have been benign for him. It could have been like, hey, I want to see pictures of your family. Let me know what type of person you are. He showed him, he had the conversation, that was that. Okay, but apparently there was word from Paul Bissonnette was alerted by numerous players in the Columbus locker room that it was way more than that. 
that Mike Babcock would spend hours looking through players' phones, camera rolls, texts, like anything you can think of, he was looking through it. Which, if you're a 30-year-old married man, there is a big difference from your phone being looked at to say you're a 19-year-old and your phone is being looked at. Like, there's a big, big, big difference. And, like, even then it doesn't really matter what your age is or who you are because, like, if he finds something that he thinks he doesn't like, that's your roster spot. Yeah. But it's a huge invasion of, of privacy because, like, a play, players were super uncomfortable about this. And Bissonnette, like, sounded the alarms for this. And people didn't want to give Paul Bissonnette any light of day because they thought, oh, his vulgar language about this subject makes it unserious. Or, oh, he's not, like, a smart hockey knowledge guy. Like, he doesn't have the credibility that we do. And then it comes out that Paul Bissonnette was right from the Players Association. So a lot of players had their phones searched through for hours. Like, think about that. It went from a 20-minute potential <coughs> conversation to, hey, I want to get to know you and get to know your family, to let me look through every single asset of your life. Let me check who you're talking to, how you're talking to them, yeah. your camera roll, what you do on the weekends. Like, that's not his business. No, and I think the bit that makes it – I think the bit that makes it worse here than anywhere else is – the amount of power I think he does have, he would have here if this story got buried. And I mean it, I mean in the most literal sense, because if you look at the Blue Jackets roster, I'd give you maybe five or six names on their roster who are literally safe. Yeah. Everyone else could be, yeah, could be waived, cut, and they're like, oh, or sent down to the minors. You know, like guys like Kent Johnson, Kromashenko, um, even guys like Roslovic and, and others, like they could. Get buried. The down. scary, the and scary part of this, though, like with the uh, with the good thing, like this story wasn't buried. If the players didn't alert someone with like a high audience, like Paul Bissonnette, this story would have gone unnoticed. He'd still be in the organization. Mm-hmm. He still would. He was still there for years after the Franzen incident, and he was there for four more years after the Marner incident. Yeah. So this story could have very easily gotten buried. And in hockey, like, we saw this, like, it's not exactly the same, but we saw this in Chicago where the Kyle Beach incident was buried for a decade. It was buried for a decade because back then there was not an audience, like, for a podcast like Spit and Chicklets. Like, this whole thing could have been buried. And, like, who knows what else is going on in the league? Like, this is, the like, the first thing that a mainstream podcast has exposed and has dealt with an issue the right way. Like, in hockey, it just doesn't happen. There's a bully mentality. There's the boys' club mentality that they can do no wrong. Yeah, there's a lot of boys' club mentality. I mean, you could just go... You How many, how many different teams could you list that could be that way? Boston's like that. Uh, the whole league's like Boston's it. Boston's like it. Toronto's like it. Sorry, I'm just saying that, oh, honestly. Like, yeah, it Toronto's doesn't bother like me. It. Edmonton is so... Like, most Canadian teams, I'm not saying that to be harsh, but like... All the Canadian teams are like, I'm here to tell the you only one every, I say single, every is... single organization is boys club, no matter how you put it. In some way, yeah. And I think I do agree with that. The only ones I would say maybe not are like some of like the newer ones, like... I'd say Vegas and Seattle in a degree. Mm. I'm not saying they're perfect, but I'm saying they're more 
They're more goal oriented than like boys club. Like like look at the difference. Like I wouldn't say teams like Seattle, Vegas. Um, I'm trying to think of a few other teams. Even teams like the Blues in sense. Yeah. Like I wouldn't s- compare those teams to teams like Edmonton, Boston, Detroit. Until very recently, those teams were textbook standard of what a boy Philly. Very much Philly, uh, the yeah. Kings, even the Kings, the Kings are very much a boys club. They just have a lot of success, so they just don't get a lot of the shine on it. But when they were yeah. bad, everybody talked about how much nepotism sprang through their organization. So yeah, there's levels to it, and I do agree with that. But I think there's like there's a fine line for how teams like Seattle, Vegas, Lightning did it versus like most of the Canadian teams, Boston. Uh, Buffalo for a very long time until very recently. Like, there's a, f- there's a difference, but it's like, it's a big ongoing problem is the bit that makes it really concerning. Yeah. It, it, like, it, there's a big, like, like, if I know you, then whatever. I, and I get that because of someone who's in the sports industry and, like, sports marketing side, like, sports marketing, sports ma- uh, side of it, there's a fine line between needing to know someone to trust them and hiring someone because of literally the fact that you know them. And there's a lot of that yeah. in hockey, unfortunately. And, like, you made a really good point in here, something, like, I want you to think about, even with the new teams in the league, with the new teams in the league, how long has Ron Francis been around the NHL? Very long, very long time. Very long time. George uh, McPhee's been around for a George while. George McPhee's been around for a long time. I All- forget who the GM for the... Who is the GM for the... Lightning. For the Lightning, it's uh, Julianne Brisewell, who has been around for a long time. I forget where he's from. He's been around for a long time. He was around Steve Eiserman for a long time. So Steve he Eisenman's inherited all of Steve Eiserman's contacts. So really, like, the thought experiment that I'm trying to convey here is all the GMs know each other. Just all of them do. It's just a Relatively, fact. They yeah. do. They do. So yeah. say you're in Mike Babcock circle right mm-hmm. and one of the players says he's uncomfortable with you looking through like your player's phone right mm-hmm. so if you're mike babcock you go to yarmo kekulainen the gm and say hey this guy has a really bad attitude we need to get rid of him okay so that word travels really fast that this person has a bad attitude so in the sphere of general managers, if a player has a bad attitude and in the NHL they're notorious for avoiding people with bad attitudes, quote unquote, you're not going to get on another team. I'd give a great example of that right off the jump, and it was from the same organization. Go for it. Dubois. Yeah. I'm not saying he's perfect because his time in Winnipeg showed otherwise uh, and all the stuff that came out after, but like. Yeah. The way he was getting treated in Columbus was terrible. Even look at someone um, who has had issues in the past, but like, look how much uproar there was when someone signed him, Evander Kane. Same thing, same thing. Yeah, but that's a bit different because he did a lot of it to himself. He did. However, if he had a gambling, if he had a gambling problem, that doesn't make him unable to play hockey anymore if he had a gambling problem like it's one thing if the personal issues he had 
like allegedly at the time as well. Like that's like a whole yeah. separate thing. If that's going on, yes, you don't touch him. But with the Oilers and the Sharks, it was only about like the gambling addiction. That was all it was about. But it was because it was for, like really dangerous behavior. One, because gambling is heavily. Oh yeah, like, you're you are not allowed to do that no matter what yeah. sport you're in. And two, it was because he was putting himself in like, like almost like dangerous amounts of debt, which is like a headache for the league itself to deal well, with. Well. That's not necessarily the team's problem. That's a personal issue for Evander Kane. That's not putting the league down. Well, it puts the league, it puts the team in jeopardy because it's bad media attention that's going to them. Yeah, but you deal with it in house. Like you know what you're getting with a player like that. Like it's yeah. the same thing. Like you sign him, you deal with it in house. It's one of those things where you have to be real with him and be like, "Hey, if this continues, we're gonna have to let you go." Like, yeah. it doesn't have to get to the point where, oh, this guy has a terrible attitude and he has to get blacklisted from the entire league. Yeah, examples because, that I would give would be, like, Dubois yep. and Tony D'Angelo. Uh, I'll give you another example. Kyle Beach. Yeah. It derailed no, his entire career because the Blackhawks were like, oh, he has a character problem. Mm-hmm. Folks, I want you to do one favor. if what, Like, if you're listening to this or watching this or whatever, I want you to go to Google. I want you to go to Hockey Database. I want you to look at what year did he get drafted? Do you remember? Was it like 06? I know. Let me look. I know he was like a the high happened draft in 2010. Pick. It was around 2010. Hang on a second. I think it was either 2010 or 2011. So I am looking. While you're looking. He was drafted 11th overall in 2008 by Chicago. 2008. All right, I want you to look at his stats from, in, like, I was saying, like, you can either, you can read them off now, or people, I want you to look at his stats from 2008 to 2010, and then I want you to go and look at his stats after 2010. And keep in mind, he was never, he was never an NHL guy. He was mostly a minor league guy, but... So the first year he played in the minors was 2010-2011, 71 games played, 16 goals, 20 assists, 36 points. Solid for a minor league guy, solid for for a young guy. 2011-2012, so this is after the incident happened. 19 games, 5 goals, 5 assists, 10 points. The next season, 66 games, 16 goals, 10 assists, 26 points. After that, he leaves for... uh, he leaves for Sweden because it's the lockout year. Seven games, two goals, one assist, three points. Comes back to Rockford. Seven games, four goals, four points. Uh, with Hartford because he got traded. 39 games played, two goals, five assists, seven points. So you can see there's a, there's a steep decline. But notice he never sees NHL ice time. He never did. No. And, and a lot his of first his first season was in the minors, which was 2010-2011, which was right after before. the incident happened in the 2010 playoffs. No, I mean he. You said he got drafted in 2000. 2008, but he played in juniors before he came over. His first season okay. in Chicago was okay. 2009, 2010, but he played four games in the AHL. Okay, because I saw I was also looking at his junior stats, and he was like amazing in juniors yeah. like that year. And that's the reason I kind of bring that up is like, like before all this stuff happened, he was electric. He was a big difference guy, and like very shortly after all that stuff happened, he never got his mind right because. I mean, how do you get your mind right after something that, like, terrible? Like, that's just not something that's, like, 
ah, just brush it off. You'll be fine. Like, you know what? It's it's like a little scratch on the knee. No, it's not. It's like a it's like a stab through your heart that just keeps bleeding. That don't just that that doesn't stop. E- like, and yes, unfortunately, in this phrase of this is the most harsh thing about life is that. As horrible as things go, life keeps moving forward. But at the same time, like, you're not going to be able to keep up with life when stuff like that happens. It's just the reality of it. Yeah. And, like, going back to him getting blacklisted, like, you mean to tell me an 11th overall pick wouldn't have gotten a single shot at NHL ice? Not a single shot? He was a career minor league player, really. Like, no, he wasn't. He got blacklisted. The organization wanted nothing to do with him so they buried him in the minors yeah because of all because they hit everything yeah that's the worst part about it is because they know a lot of people knew that this stuff happened if he came up he would have gotten national recognition even if it was just small and unfortunately his voice would have been louder and mind you ain't the blackhawks like an original six or not an original six but they've been around for a while like, they're not a new organization. What, the Blackhawks? They, yeah. They're an original six. Oh, they are original yes, six. Yes, they are. Yeah, so case in point, they're one of the biggest organ. They're one of the biggest organizations in the NHL. What they, what their players say gives a lot, gives a lot of weight. So it's like, that's not something that just gets, sw- like, swept under their rug. And no. So. But it gives you an idea of how much power these organizations have. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be the 11th overall pick, or you could be someone who worked up from the East Coast League all the way up to the NHL. It doesn't matter yeah. who you are. And I think that's the bit that's, like, the toughest to yes. stomach is that. Like, through all this, that, like, I'm glad that players came out about it because, unfortunately, I'll say this, I would lose my job in a heartbeat because I wouldn't give – my phone to anybody nope. and that's not saying like oh why because you have nasty stuff on your phone well yes but uh, no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm kidding more importantly it's the fact that especially in a lot of these cases just because the name rings a bell they don't know who mike babcock is a lot of these people probably all of them like even johnny goodrow all he knows is who he is in passing like yeah, because you don't know him personally. You know no. his name, but you don't know him personally. At best, he's an acquaintance. At worst, not he's even. a random stranger that yeah, like just came in while you while you're working. And Johnny Gaudreau's a high profile free agent, so he would have gotten treated pretty good. Yeah, he would have gotten treated well. Boone Jenner would have gotten treated well. Probably Zach Wierenski would have gotten yeah. treated well. Those are, like, the names I would have listed right off the back were, like, safe for their jobs. But, like, anyone yeah. else wasn't. So... And it's just it's just the fact of the matter is it's like you wouldn't want some you would like like think about this few people everybody always calls celebrity like all these athletes they're overpaid celebrities divas drama queens whatever let me let me ask you this you the listeners the viewers have anybody who's disagreeing with all this stuff about Babcock and anything would you as a person go to your boss hand him your phone go back to work for three to four hours. And be like, oh, you know what? Just find my life's an open book. What's mm-hmm. what's the, what's the worst that can happen? No. And if you are, cool. But like, at the end of the day, most of us have things we want to keep private. That's the basic of that's the basic principle of what privacy laws are. No one is re- no one is allowed to force you to hand over 
your phone, your records of that stuff. If it's public, that's a different thing. Yes. But that's the difference. So it just, that story does bug me in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because it's like, and it's really messed up versus like the other stuff because a lot yeah. of it's manipulation. And this is more so manipulation. This, but is, this manipulation. is bullying on the highest degree. It's bullying yeah. and manipulation. It's both. Yeah, where the other one is, I think, just more manipulation. Yes. This is the most da- damning one. And you think after all the years you would have learned, but unfortunately. Of course like, not. Because he never got actually, like, disciplined by the league. No, he didn't. And the, like. He kept doing it. Once an abuser, always an abuser. Like. It's just how it is. Like, it doesn't even matter if you're disciplined for it. Once an abuser, always an abuser. Like, it doesn't matter. He never went through, like, anything to address these issues. Like, he's like, oh, yeah, uh, I've reconciled. I coached in college, so we're good now. Yeah. So Not a single apology, but he would later resign from Columbus without them having to fire him because Columbus didn't fire him with due cause, so which means he gets paid anyways. So he walks out with an eight million dollar payday without coaching a single game. So, folks, let's just let let's just see about that. So let's just think of this over through to end it. They're gonna pay him eight million. You said eight million dollars. Eight million dollars. They're gonna pay him eight million dollars for twenty twenty three to twenty twenty four and twenty twenty four to twenty twenty five to not be there. That is the same as trying. That is the same as buying out either Ryan Suter or Zach Parise, folks. That yep. is. At least those people played for your team. At least for aren't terrible people. Yeah, (laughs) like just that blows my mind. I had questions. I had a lot of questions when they were when they were making that decision. Yeah, and unfortunately, all we're gonna have now is nothing but questions on why they signed them. And if you're the PR team for Columbus, (laughs) good luck trying to. They already fumbled. Good luck trying to uh, manage this through the season. I would not want to be anybody working in the communications or PR department for the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. Your job is going to be very hard, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck. Speaking of terrible Peter, Bill Peters is back in hockey. <laughs> he, um, Are you aware of the uh, Bill Peters uh, incidents, I, I'll call them? Uh, no. So, Bill Peters was a, was a longtime NHL coach. He coached the Hurricanes and the Calgary Flames. Okay. During his tenure with the Calgary Flames, he liked to have racist remarks towards um, a player known as Akeem Ilyu. He played for the Calgary Flames for a while until... Getting a bad reputation and got bounced out of the league. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> so, Bill Peters was out of the league um, since 2019, and he's still out of the NHL. Uh, may he never get another job in the NHL ever again. Trust me. Ever how again. How the Flames were? I don't think that's happening. Anymore. So, Bill Peters is back in hockey. He's in the WHL now. Um, someone in his inner circle thought it would be a good idea to bring him aboard. Um, but it's okay. He reconciled. He coached in Russia, so he's fine now. He has a good reputation. He coached in Russia and had winning records because winning is all that matters. I'm not going to say a word on that. Um, y'all can, y'all can be the judge of that, um, of what Jimmy just said. 
Uh, because all I have to say is that he coached in Russia. So and that kind of that kind of almost speaks for itself. I'm not saying it to be harsh. I'm just saying because it's he yeah was named the head coach of the Re- of the Lethbridge Hurricanes of the Western Hockey League. Um, all because he knew the general manager. Um, the big story about this was um, he never apologized to the player he spewed racist remarks to until a week after or a week before he got hired through an email to another person. He didn't even reach out directly. See, this is stuff I've always said. I've always said this, and I can't say I can't say my original quote because because we're on DSR's airway. Yeah. But I'm just going to say the PG version of it. It takes more to be a terrible person, to be an awful human being, than it is to be nice. Like, it takes more out of your day to say those bad things. It takes more out of you to not just go and be like, hey, I'm sorry I did this. I hope you can forgive me. If not, I, you know... Something like that along those lines. Yes. But, because I'm bad with words sometimes. (laughs) Because I I forgot how I was going to end that. But long story short, it's like, just just admit that you're wrong. I just never understand that. Like, some people are so adamant of just, like, never wanting to admit they're wrong. Unless it's, like, unless you, like you said, unless it's something where you'll get either more money or another opportunity at what you want to do. Yes. Then your story will change and you... Half the time, people aren't even sincere about it. They just do it because, you know. It's for their own benefit and their own benefit alone because, like, this is a foot in the door to get back to the NHL. It is. It's another coaching job in a high-profile league in the the Canadian Junior League, the CHL. Um, But Bill Peters did not reach out to this player, Akeem Ilyu, at all until a week before he got hired and he didn't even reach out directly to him. So he only started to apologize to him when it was convenient for him and it was through email. It wasn't through a face-to-face thing. It wasn't a phone call. It wasn't a Zoom call. Nothing. It was an email through another person. So, look, I have a lot of opinions on Bill Peters. Um, There is proof that he's a racist so, like, if you're if you're a um, person of color in that locker room for the Hurricanes, and this isn't the Carolina Hurricanes, it's Lethbridge Hurricanes, but if you're a player of color in that locker room, what do you think about this? You're terrified that you're going to be treated with hate, treated differently, and not see ice time, which means your NHL dreams are essentially crushed. Because what makes you think he's not going to do the same thing he did in Calgary in Lethbridge? Like, there's there's no evidence that he's changed, because he hasn't. If he has changed, an apology would have happened. There would have been appropriate steps taken, but he didn't do that. He's like, oh, I got another job, so let me just clear my name through uh, PR, and that's that. I don't have to do anything else. Not even good PR. Like, no. That's the bit that's funny. Because he doesn't that. care. Because, he ha- because he's hateful. I just think he's just rude. Like, he's just ignorant. Like, because if he even had a good PR team, like, like stuff like this bothers me because you know what I do. And it's like, yeah. literally all you would have to do to get another chance is is as follows. 
even if it sounds shallow, I'm saying this from the perspective of PR to limit damage and save face, is that you go out, well, you start by shooting an email over this person. You shoot some form of direct direct line of communication to him, whether if it's an email, if someone knows his number, whatever it is, saying, hey, even if it's just an Instagram DM that he never sees, like, just something along the lines of, hey, I did a lot of awful stuff way back when. I'm terribly sorry about this. Hope you can find your heart to forgive me. If not, mm-hmm. I wish you nothing but the best. Just and something like that is yeah. as simple as that. That takes 10 minutes, and anybody who is a PR or crisis communication expert will tell you that in five seconds. That is that simple. It, that is that is three sentences that I just crafted up on mm. the spot that does way more than anything else that this guy did. Well, and my issue is if you take it to PR, it kind of forces the victim's hand here to forgive him because it's been taken public. Like, in my opinion, he should have gone to him one-on-one, whether yeah. it was a video call, a phone call, or in person, and tried to hash the issues out. And, like, keep in mind, he doesn't have to forgive him. He doesn't. And really, he hasn't. And he sh- really shouldn't because the apology Especially was now. fake. Especially now. He only did it to advance his career. And, like, you can see it in the press conference. He only did it to advance his career. So, like... I'm at a loss for words. We're gonna have to see where this goes, but there's gonna come to a there's gonna come a point where I think this is gonna fall apart because, like the Babcock situation, like once an abuser, always an abuser. And folks, let me tell you this all the time, as I've learned, as we both learned, just because you win stuff doesn't change what happens. It doesn't. I'd rather lose all of the time and have good people in the organization than win and have terrible people. In my opinion, that's just how that's how I feel. People might feel different, but Everybody that's how feel I feel about that. Um, I think we should. I think we should go to to better news. Oh yeah. Which, in my opinion, this is long overdue. Um, I genuinely hope that this project works. I think it'll be good for hockey. Um. The PWHL was founded, um, I think it was a couple weeks ago. So this PWHL, meaning the Professional Women's Hockey League, um, they have six teams for representation. So they have three American teams and three Canadian teams. So Boston, Minnesota, New York, Montreal, Ottawa, and Toronto are the new teams. Um I don't think team names have been established yet. They haven't. Um, I know their season starts pretty soon. Um, let me get their let me get their schedule up here because uh, where is their schedule? I know they have the original six. So twenty twenty four. Okay, so they will begin play in January of twenty twenty four with the six teams I mentioned before. Uh, they will be playing from January to May. Um, the top draft pick was Taylor Heiss, I think her name was, um, out of the University of Minnesota. Um, very good player from what I've seen. Um, a lot of players are from the Canadian U.S. national teams are in this league now. Big names like Marie-Philippe Poulin, Sarah Nurse, Hillary Knight, um, Amanda Kessel, like you name it, they're there. Um, I think this is going to be very good for not only all of hockey, but women's hockey as well, 
because they've really lacked stability in a professional league. Um, the national programs can only net you so much money. Yeah. So if this league does well, and I think it has the potential to, especially if they get a partnership with the NHL, similar to what the WNBA has with the NBA, they'll have like sustainable income. They'll be able to play hockey like closer to home if they wanted to, instead of yeah. traveling the world with Team Canada. Um, they can rack up more accolades, so getting like career recognition in the Hall of Fame, which they deserve to be, like not only for like their international accomplishments, but for their league accomplishments. Yeah. Just all around, I think this is a very good thing for hockey in general. I agree um, with that. No, I do. I think they're probably gonna need a little bit more of a network to get this thing going, but like it's really early. So we're just yeah. going to have to wait and see. Um, and the biggest thing that could definitely help, I'm just going to say this right now, uh, because it hurts. It, it's helped women's soccer, and it's hurt women's basketball. And the reason I say this is because what really gets people excited, a good product. Oh, yeah. And I think they have potential. Looks like they have a really good chance to be a good product. Like Women's soccer is mm-hmm. a good product. I will, if I see a women's soccer game on, I will watch it. Like especially after all these like this last year of me working at school SID and I cover the Duquesne women's soccer team, like I think we'll watch a women's soccer game if it comes on. I don't have a want to watch a women's basketball game over a me- over a men's game, and I only say this because, and it sounds a harsh it sounds like a harsh statement. The only reason I state that is because if you put the product side by side, almost ninety nine out of a hundred times people are going to pick the men's product. And over the women's. And I only say that because I forget if the games are longer. Um, they do a better job promoting. I think they've gotten better at promoting yes. the WNBA, but it's still, like, it's not great. To me, what I think the like one of the main problems with the WNBA is is their timing of their season. The timing of their season isn't great. And overall, their product's not amazing. And I say this because, one. No, it's not. I said this all the time. Just because they have names who are really good, they don't have any like, like what's like what's their defining thing? Like, like what is their, like where is their defining players who have like big like Michael Jordan esque moments? Like you know what? Um, what because I think about it, there's a big story of um, it was like a big women's hockey goal. I know I'm trying to think if you remember this. Marie Philippe Poulin was. I think it was yeah because there was like a. I can't remember. I th- thought it was with the University of Minnesota. I, I have University to look this up. I saw it was a commercial that was from ESPN. I talked about like one of the best like women hockey goals ever. Oh yeah, it was the person that just got drafted. It was a person that just got drafted. It was very recent. Yeah, I think she did the like. I think it was the Michigan goal was pulled off. Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah, and like ESPN did a whole commercial talking about like that goal and like how it like was barely broadcast or something like that. And like how the important of it was, mm-hmm. and I would, like when I saw that I was like, they are actually making a bigger effort to put like women's hockey towards the forefront, which I think is a very good thing. And I that's why I think if they do this right and they make a product that's generally exciting, there is speed, there is flair. Let the girls fight each other the same way the guys do, like in the like in the same way, like mm-hmm. let them. Let them check each other, like the same stuff. We treat everybody the same for how how the guys do it versus how the girls do it for hockey. 
you're going to get a lot of people showing up. It's going to take a bit of time, like you said. Yes. But there's going to be a bigger flair for people wanting to come in right off the jump versus how how other sports go about it where WNBA games struggle with attendance. Women's soccer games, it's up and down in yes. terms of attendance. Like, In my opinion, there is an avenue where this league can be successful. Yes. I think you make it very, very accessible to just young people in general, especially yes. younger women. So you got to find platforms that are accessible to young women. Like the biggest one is YouTube. And yes. I wouldn't put it behind a paywall. I would live stream the games. You make your money off the ad revenue because like, you're gonna you're gonna get sponsors. It's sports league. Like you're gonna get sponsors, yeah. and if the viewership is up, like the sponsors alone can pay for it. So once you get to a point where like, hey, we have a lot of people watching, like, just keep it accessible because if you get the young crowd interested in it and keep going to games affordable, you've pretty much struck gold. Like people are gonna go to those games, and mm-hmm. once people are interested in it you can expand the league so like you have six but you can put a team in philadelphia a team in pittsburgh a team Team in vancouver dc Uh, nova scotia like i would if i'm them i explore markets that the nhl haven't done is refusing to go to but you know they would do well you know, it's one I think. Quebec City. Quebec City. You know, it's another one I think. Which one? I don't one? know if you would agree with me on this. Salt Lake City. Yeah. I think there should be one in Salt Lake City. I would even, uh, this would, this sounds too ambitious, but uh, try again in like Hartford. Mm-hmm. They did, in my opinion, they did a great job with the draft. They kept it like open to the public. It wasn't behind a paywall. Like, if you get a brand deal with ESPN, like, that's great. That prolongs the longevity of your league. But just in the beginning of this, like, you need to keep games affordable and you need to be able to get eyes on the screen, like, as widespread as you can. Like, I just think YouTube is the best avenue because the young generation loves it. Like, even stream it on X. Like, I would say stream Stream it on Twitter, but, like, the game is a – that website is terrible now. But I'd still try it. Yeah. Stream it there. Stream it on Instagram if you can. Like, I would just get it anywhere that is public domain and it's free. Yeah. Like, I think it has potential. Um, You need to get, like – good social media managers like yes. to connect with people like the nhl is notoriously bad with this so like if you can do what the nfl is doing with their social media like jump on that very very quickly go watch the eagles social media team <laughs> i'm dead serious they make i i literally i will get like so many con- like so much like especially on the short side like if it's instagram or my YouTube shorts, I'm like one every five videos is the Eagles because it, like their stuff is so good and they yes. do just such a good job connecting everybody together. There's always a good culture in there. So part of it's building good culture. Part of it is also getting people to like interact with each other yes. and with the audience. And get people, get people acquainted with like your top stars of the league. Like put Marie-Philippe Poulin on Every single poster you can in Canada. Put Hillary Knight on every single poster you can in the U.S. Amanda Kessel. Like, you have a ton of players that have recognition that, like, people can look at. And they're like, hey, I know her. It's like a Sidney Crosby deal 
where Sidney Crosby was marketed to literally everyone with eyes, like, in, like, the early 2000s, mid-2010s. Like, you need to do something like that. Like, market your players really well, show highlights of stuff they've done on the international stage because these players are really good. They can play hockey. Like, there, there is one person on, like, a high school team I played on and a summer league that I played on that was better than all of the guys out there. Like, I, in my opinion, she's a future star of the league, Lacey Eden. Like, she, she's going to be a future star. She already is on the USA uh, hockey team. So I believe she is a senior this year, so she is draft eligible next year. So in my opinion... Yes, in my opinion, market the young talent good too, especially when the highlights exist. Like, just market, 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 even when it gets obnoxious. Just find a way to get relevant on TikTok. Find a way to get on the YouTube shorts, like, anywhere you can. Just eyes, eyes, eyes all the time. Like, I think that is a very good avenue because, unfortunately, there are a lot of hockey fans that don't even know this league exists yet. No. Which is a shame. Like, you don't want to have the, like, unfortunately, the WNBA has this, like, has this reputation of being a second-tier league that no one really cares about, which just isn't fair because, like, the, the girls can play. They can. It's just for whatever reason, whether it be marketing or it's just factors beyond their control it just hasn't worked out it's a mixture of yes both because like i could say it's for a starter like one big thing that you know i think hurts their game is the fact that you watch the nba and i could say this probably somewhat confident i would say about 40 to 50 percent of the league if not more can dunk whereas i've looked at stats for the wnba it's like one percent or less. They should lower the dunk. rim for the WNBA. They offered it and they turned. And they it down. said no. But like, it's even then. Like in this new league for hockey, there are rules to women's hockey that I think need to be adjusted for the professional league. I think because in women's hockey, checking isn't that big. Like you can do it, but there's a very fine line of what you can do and what you can't do. I streamline the rules and make them like the NHL. Yeah. Because, like, I've seen it in person with women's hockey players that I've seen that I know can be professionals in this league. They can handle it. Yeah. Like, they can. Like, there is no reason why they can't handle it. Like, I think (laughs) you adjust the rules, make it one for one like the NHL, the exact same rules, let them play the game. Because I think it has potential. No, I 100% agree with you because you know what? One thing stays consistent for NHL to uh, – I'm so bad. Uh, PWL? It's the uh, PWHL, Professional PWHL. Women's Hockey League. For the PWHL, and that's um, – both are psychos. I'm kidding. But, like, no. Both yeah. Hockey players are just crazy. Y'all could take – you could attest because you are a hockey player. Y'all get hit, like, in the face and the chest, get knocked down, yep. and then be like, all right, let's do it again. <laughs> Like, like you watch football. Well, I guess football is kind of a mild example. You watch baseball, basketball, or soccer. The first time players get hit, they're down. They're staying down for like two or three minutes. And y'all just get up like, all right, let's go again. (laughs) Like, y'all are crazy Yeah, in that sense. And I, like I said, I respect it. But y'all are crazy. And it don't matter. 
Well, and hockey, hockey to me is a special sport, and women's lacrosse also has potential for this. Yes. I've been shouting from the rooftops about this. People would be more interested in women's lacrosse if they played the same game the men can, and they can. Like this isn't mm-hmm. like, oh, they're not like as strong or anything like that. Like that. Like yes, they are. They can handle it. Like yeah. if you want to get eyes on on your sport especially a sport that's already successful, you, you model yourself after the successful league. No, that's exactly the point. Like, yes. Like, that's how people be successful. Why do you think, like, why do you think minor baseball, does, minor league baseball does well for yeah. the most part? There's very few examples of teams that deviate from what traditional sports do, and they find success. I have one example off the top of my head. Two, if you count the XFL, and I don't know if because they're still pretty streamlined to what the NFL does in a lot of ways. But they they've just experimented some, with rules. But they've experimented with something. Yes. There's one, there is one example I can give of a team that is successful because they do literally, like, crazy stuff. You know what I'm referring to? No, I don't. What is it? Have you heard of the name the Savannah Bananas? Oh, yeah, I have. I have. They're I have. successful because they're so crazy, off-the-wall, they outrageous they do stuff that's so ridiculous to what baseball is i was gonna say it's like baseball's version of the globetrotters it is actually i guess too i guess you would yeah. count the globetrotters as well so there's two examples the globetrotters do things so crazy outrageous to what basketball is but it's so much fun to watch that it's yeah. like you would turn on and watch it but those are outliers those are things because they're so different and they do it with such confidence and good marketing that they are able to get away with doing oh that. yeah Versus, like, look at their social media presence, though. Yeah, with the with the Savannah Bananas, like you We're see the them trotters. everywhere. Or the, the glo- you see them everywhere. The Globetrotters were like the the talk of the town through like the nineties and two thousands. Yeah, and I'm like, like, you already have players on the NHL panels, like they're visible. You need to market your league. Like the best thing that they're doing. Before the league has even started, they've had women compete in the All-Star Classic for the NHL. They've done the skills challenges. They've done three-on-three games between the U.S. and Canada. They did the All-Star before the the season? They did. They've done joint things with the NHL um, All-Star game. Oh, they started in 2019. They did it last year. I believe they did it in 2022 as well. Um where Schofield did the fastest skater challenge and okay, beat, like, sense. I think she beat, like, four or five, um, they beat, like, four or five, um, like, men skaters, too. And also, Crazy. there are also women in the Harlem Globetrotters as well. It's men and women, so it's really? both. Yeah, it's both. It's been a while since the Globetrotters, so I didn't know that. that's the point where, like, you didn't know that, and I'm sure there are a lot of people that don't know that. Huh. I learned something new today. I it's because I haven't watched the Globe Shards in a while. I have yeah. I just don't watch basketball that much. Is the issue? Yeah, I need to get back into it. But, but like with these women's professional sports leagues, like even like in that example with the Globe Trotters, people probably don't like. I could probably ask a majority of people on Duquesne's campus, and they wouldn't know that there are women in the Globe Trotters. Which wow. like let that sink in for a second. Like wow. that's that's unacceptable honestly crazy so 
there is potential to market themselves. I think they're on like they're on a good path of doing it. I really hope this takes off because I do too. Just as a fan of the sport, like it's good for the sport. Like more opportunities to play hockey is good for the sport. Amen to that. It brother. shouldn't just be a male profession. Like it like women should have the opportunity to be professional athletes just as much as men can because you can't tell me they work they don't work just as hard. They well, do. They like sometimes I think they work even harder. Which is uh, yeah. So I would be, we will be keeping an eye on that. We oh, will definitely I'm, be giving eyes. Like you said, it starts in January. It starts in January, and I plan to cover. I plan to cover them in segments of the show just as much as the NHL. Like and I'm probably you, gonna. American teams. You said Boston, Minnesota, and so it's Boston, Minnesota, team? New York, New York, and we have okay. Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa. Yeah. I knew the Canadians. You know, I was trying to remember the third American team. So it was New York. Uh, are they playing NYC? Uh, yeah. I think sharing, like, are they, sh- th- that's the other question. Are they sharing they are arenas? They're not sharing the arenas. Are they uh, playing at more like college stadiums, you think? I'm looking this up right now. Good, th- good point. So I was curious about this because another thing is attendance. Shoot, they do it right. They could get more attendance than Arizona Coyote games. I mean, what? Did they unveil the team names? I don't know. For some reason, I can't find them. Maybe not. There's still a decent amount of time. There's still four months. So pro- I would say give it another month and you'll probably hear something. But um, uh, where do they play? Where are their buildings? Like, yeah, this is so to hard see. to find. Is there like a – I hope there's a website. See if there's a website while you're doing this. But um, I guess while he's doing this, um, I just want to throw out some fun news I saw. Um, I was looking through some stuff earlier and – Yes, there is. The Wild uh, dropped new unis. I just wanted to bring that up quickly. A bunch of teams dropped new unis. We can go through them. They were the ones that I saw because it was like it was like a throwback to the North Stars, and they they look so good. <laughs> Have you seen them? I oh, are those like the retro ones? Yeah, like I said, it's the ones that throwback. Like they're an om- they're an homage to the uh, Minnesota North Stars. I think they're so sick. I need to, I'm going to go to Google's. Or actually, no, I can find it on Twitter. Uh, where are they playing? Have they named their buildings yet? Uh, maybe not. I swear they have. Like, I knew I saw it somewhere. All right, I'm looking at the PWHL Toronto team. What do you think? The subway jerseys, I yeah, think they do. I think they look so good. I think they're honestly my favorite jerseys for next year. Uh, I know they play the in Toronto, Google. I want to know where the lo- – Oh, they haven't picked the arenas yet. Okay. That's if why. If I were to guess, they were probably picking like – they're probably all going to do like college stadiums if I were to guess. Uh, the Minnesota team is playing in the Excel Energy Center, which is uh, where the Wild play. I believe oh, the are? Toronto team is playing in the Coca-Cola Coliseum, which is where the Marlies play. Okay, that's not a bad idea. Um, oh, yeah, you Ottawa's the home league team as well. I forgot about that. Ottawa's home rink is TD Place Arena. Um, that's where the uh, OHL's Ottawa 67s play. 
Boston will play in Walter Brown Arena, which is where Boston University plays. Um, why is New York playing in Bridgeport, Connecticut? Eh? Uh, oh, uh, they're also looking at um, Albany, New York for uh, the MVP arena, which is 14,000. Uh, Montreal Albany. is playing in uh, Laval Place Bell, which uh, is 10,000. So Montreal's 10,000. New York is uh, 8,500. Boston is 4,000. Toronto is 9, about 9,000. Ottawa is 7,000. Hey. So Minnesota is playing like you the in the biggest uh, you know what arena those, of the bunch. You know what the stadiums have in common? What? They all will get bigger crowds than the Arizona Coyote. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, had to, I had to do that. I had to do it. You're not wrong, though. I had to do it. I just, that was too good. You're really not wrong, though. Like, they will. That was funny. I'm which sorry. is why they have potential to do good. Like, they don't have Gary Bettman around. They can do stuff <laughs> that isn't for dinosaurs. Uh Oh yeah, we got some uh captaincy news. We got we got a couple of captains that were named. So we got uh Quinn Hughes was named the captain of the Canucks, which in my opinion good pick. Uh could have been Elias Patterson, but uh I think Quinn Hughes was good. The most the new most obscure captain is uh the Winnipeg Jets, uh, Adam Lowry is now the most obscure captain, which is kind of nuts. Adam Lowry? Yeah, Adam Lowry is kind of a role player, so very, very weird. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, do you want to recap the scores of um, a couple of the NHL preseason games? <laughs> there's not a lot to take away from it. Like, There's just one that I kind of want to laugh at. Do because it's preseason. So it's to close it off, I, I Canucks fans, I don't like to dunk on you, even though I love to dunk on you. Um, oh, the Vancouver Canucks in their first preseason game lost ten to nothing. Oh, I just saw <laughs> that. Uh, it's uh, Jim oh Jim Rutherford. Jim Rutherford used the word playoffs when uh, they when. Uh, the preseason first started, so that's pretty Ooh, cool. Who is Matthew Coronado? Coronado? Coronado, bro, he's going uh, I know he's 20. He scored a hat trick. I know he did. <laughs> Look at him go. Doesn't oh even have a picture on God. the CBS Sports app. I guess. Uh, shout out to Arizona for also losing 7 to nothing. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess before we go, I want to do, do one thing for you. I want to do one thing. I want to throw out who do you think is going to be the biggest regression candidate, and who's going to be the biggest team to bounce back this year? Oh, crud. Uh, if you asked me this question like a month ago, I could have given you a good answer. Uh, Boston regression, because, like, yeah, you're not winning 65 games again. Like, you'll probably be a playoff team, but you're not uh, going 65 games again. Uh, biggest climber? Biggest, Yeah, biggest candidate to bounce back. Oh boy. To bounce back. I'm going to give the generic answer and go Buffalo. I think Buffalo has potential. 
I think this is the year they uh, make it to the playoffs. You know who I think might be a regression candidate who? this year? I've been, I'm torn between two teams, but I'm going to say, and this one's going to shock you, I'm going to say the Lightning. Oh, what, regression? Yeah. yeah. I think the they Lightning are going to be one of the biggest ones because their team is getting older. They are losing more and more players each year. And after last year, <laughs> they might. I think they generally could miss the playoffs with how tough the Atlantic is going to yes. be this year. I think they could fall short, like be like a Sabres team and have a good season and fall short. As for a team, I think, who is going to bounce back and do better this year, I'm going to say... Pittsburgh. I, I mean, what? I'm going to say the Blues. Yeah, I, I can get I'm behind that. I'm going to say the that. Blues. I think they finished third. I think they yeah. finished third. I think they surprised a lot they of people. potential. And finished third, finished above a lot of team fish. I think, I think the Wild missed the playoffs. I think the Jets finished bad. I think they're going to have a – their division's weak, which helps. So I think the Blues yeah. bounce back this year. Also, uh, right before we go, I just want to mention that the Flyers also lost 6 nothing. Um, LOL. <laughs> oh, yeah, to the Devils, LOL. All right, so uh, that will conclude our uh, welcome back episode. We will try to get on a good enough schedule. Um, there are going to be weeks where I'm going to have to cancel because uh, my exams are killing me, so I apologize in advance. But, uh, we will th- be making it work. Yes, we will be. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in to the welcome back episode. We've been gone for like a month, so I'm sorry about that. It hey. might happen again. Probably nah, nah, not, nah, nah, but nah, nah. it might. We'll be good. But um, until next time, we'll see you guys later. Peace Take out. Take care.